0: When setting out on a journey, do not seek advice from those who have never left home, Rumi. I love that, brother. And I love talking about this book. I didn't have the opportunity to go page by page, but I did go through every, I I went from front to back and I cherry picked, we were talking about cherry picking things, but I cherry picked the items in this book that I think are completely relevant for this conversation. Now, joining me today on the Protectors Podcast is Todd Fox, author of numerous books now, underpinning being one of them. And Todd, thanks for sharing a book with me, brother. And thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. Now, the title underpinning, we were doing like, believe me, guys, before we started the show, we talked for 45 minutes. We st- we didn't hit record. So I want you to understand that this book is geared towards those who are not LEOs. But as a former retired LEO, i like to say that. Congratulations. I, thank you, sir. I think I got a ton out of this book. And I want to go back and and read through it more because there's more fundamentals to this for the protector community than you can imagine and you know this i know this but underpinning the title where did this come from
1: so in in my realm uh crossing over into a bunch of different worlds between the military law enforcement protection work and and fighting uh competitive jujitsu to mma um i have a lot of guys that end up teaching who are my my peers they end up teaching law enforcement but they don't have a fundamental understanding of everything that is rooted in use of force in America. So this book really touches on all of those aspects—the things they need to know with regard to laws, with regard to policies, with regard to you know gear and environment, and uh, you know governing bodies like Post and and all these different aspects. That if they're aware of, they can help mold or modify their material that they're presenting to Leo. So for me, when I thought about the material that I was presenting to me, it, all the material is the underpinning of use of force and defensive tactics for the instructor.
0: That is key. Cause like the, the book opens up and it's like, Hey, more than techniques. And this is the first paragraph. It's crucial for professional defensive tactics. Instructors to have a solid understanding of use of force laws Relevant legal cases and agency policies before teaching students for many reasons. Absolutely relevant. Listen, you've been in a BJJ world forever. I mean, a long time, very long time. And four- I know. I don't want. To, I don't want to bring that up here. You're <laughs> but no. But the thing is, man, you've been around. You've you fought or tussled. What do you call it? Rolled. All the cool BJJ stuff for a long time, but it's not just that you have the background with the military and and law enforcement and in the security world. Still, you need to know when you're going to go and instruct LEOs specifically, you need to understand that it's not just techniques, it's what comes, what, what can you use, what is legally justified to use, and what is going to be in each individual agency's. Policies because yeah, Fourth Amendment, cool. It's very cut and dry. It's right there. You know, you can the constitution pretty cut and dry. You can find it everywhere, but each individual agency has their own use of force policies, continuums, spectrums, or whatever they want to call it. So when you came up with this this idea for this book, I can imagine you were looking at like say, man, wow, it's cool. I know a lot of great instructors out there, but they need them to have a baseline before they go out there and put together their training plan.
1: Yeah, if, if they go to teach just the techniques from the martial arts, then it's left up to the guy at the street level to figure out the surrounding context and then modify it specific to what they're doing. And the chances of that happening in their own time is pretty slim. So if the instructor understands the context and all the surrounding issues that underpin Uh, you know, use of force and defensive tactics, then he can modify the program so that he's providing the end user that adjusted material, right? Um, and I talk to you guys about this a lot. Some of the things that we deal with when we talk about gear, like, okay, I'm wearing 45 pounds of gear or um, I'm pavement, right? I'm training on, on jujitsu mats that are two inches thick and they're soft foam. Instead, now I'm going to concrete if I'm I'm working in an urban environment or if I'm in the country working in a rural area, maybe I'm in a creek on rocks or in mud or dirt or sand, Um so the environmental factors of cars and multiple opponents and and you know individual skill sets and the history of, of the suspect and you know what substance they're on. So I don't want to be using all pain compliances because if I break this guy's arm and he's on crystal meth, the chance of him stopping fighting is pretty slim. Maybe I disable that one arm, but that's a small percentage of the fight. So this is trying to build enough context for the instructor so that when he builds his program, he accounts for these things. So, that the end user is getting more of a finished product as opposed to, oh shit, now I've got to adjust for what he taught me because I can't really do that with with our agency policy or with our state statute.
0: So, when you're going in there to do this training plan, and I imagine like if you're a solid instructor, you're going to, you can't just have carte blanche, like, okay, I'm going to be training in Maine one day, New York another day. And then you're going to go to like places who may have very strict use of force policies or may have very lenient use of force policies. They may have working off of different types of ordinance, different types of, you know, legal mumbo jumbo, different types of liability issues. So you have to understand where you're going and do your do your research. It's it's just part of the thing. Even if you just have the basic in your mind of what to do and know what not to do, I think that's that's very fundamental. And that's one thing I like about this book because you can kind of use it as a like a training plan and kind of like to spark your memory. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna be doing this. I'm not an LEO, but maybe I should talk to an LEO before I go out and do this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, you you have to have some frame of reference for what it is that person's gonna do with the material you're presenting to them. And you really don't want to send your person out to get hemmed up for something. And and if you look at the book, I talk about the hot button topics in use of force right now and all the things that are associated with it. And you know, duty to intervene and duty to render medical aid and all of these different elements that if if you're not a leo you probably are not aware of
0: if you're not a leo you can always go over that that mumbo alpha male crap the uh i'd rather be judged by six than carry or not <laughs> judged by 12 and carry by six you can't in the real world if you're an leo you're let's say you're just on a job you don't have any issues that hey you know what if i lose everything i'll i'll be able to adjust the reality is a lot of LEOs out there, especially the ones that are looking for training now, they've been on a job for a while, probably have families. And what comes with families is not just legal liability, financial liability. And now you have to have the liability of your function. You know, So I like this thing, you're like, and this is good for instructors too, is like LEOs look at liability a lot different than a civilian instructor dealing with civilians. Liability is when you lie about your ability, and that's true. So if you're going to go and you're going to, and to me, you could look at this couple ways. Like, yeah, you might know what you're doing, but if you're going to be teaching LEOs, you have to know, you have to understand, you have to know what your ability is to teach them, and not just be like, oh, hey, we're going to go give free BJJ classes. But yeah, let's look at that aspect of this because you can't. As an LEO, you could literally lose everything, including your freedom, if you use the wrong techniques
1: or if it's if it's seen that way, if it's it's perceived that way, again, court of public opinion is strong. Um, th- this is something guys got to understand when they're teaching, and and so, with this explosion of BJJ, which, by the way, just to be very clear. If I had a choice between teaching guys regular, just simple BJJ versus nothing or other DT uh, forms, I would absolutely teach them regular uh, BJJ and then have them adjust it for their environment. But there has to be that adjustment made. And this book is kind of working to to help that happen. But uh, BJJ absolutely is, is, I think, the best fit for a lot of factors. But um, considerations, number one, you have to understand all of the factors that come into this contact, this law enforcement contact that
0: happens. Well, that's, what's great about this book too, is like Dr. Bill Lewinsky, you have this quote from him and he's like, I'm the he taught at my alma mater, which is Mankato State University or slash Minnesota State University. No profession trains so little, but expects so much. How many, I mean, I was guilty of it. You know, I didn't train BJJ. I was a fed, but Hey, you know, my street, my street time was a long time ago, but Hey, if you're in the street, you have to do some sort of training. And you and I were talking about that. Okay. So if you're in a big discipline or not, I'm not going to say discipline, but if you're in a big agency, if you're an NYPD, you're an LAPD, you're somewhere where you have different types of resources and even them. I mean, you, you might not have everything available to the agency that has 100, 200 officers, but you're one of these small agencies out there, 10, 15, 20 people, and you're making anywhere from 15 to $25 an hour, maybe, and you have to, to training you want to get is expensive it could cost you like you know up when you're talking about such little money to put so much on the line and not just your life when we just talked about liability your whole financial life and your freedom for you know 15 to 20 something bucks an hour you still need to train unfortunately you have to find the training and yeah, it depends on the results you're looking for, right? Like you
1: yeah. what else would you do that you just expected to have positive results without actually going out and tra- training that thing? And the cost is high, but what's the alternative if you don't train it and you go into some type of lethal confrontation? You know, you're not gonna ever need to train it again because you'll be done.
0: The other thing too is like if you look at and I keep touting this book, but it's true is like if you are one of these small agencies vet your instructors just because you're, you know, Johnny X former blah, blah, blah. doesn't mean that you were one an instructor when you were in that agency or that military affili- affiliation Um, Two doesn't mean like, you know what the hell you're talking about other than just technique and the other aspects of it. And three is, are you even prepared to deal with teaching someone who's going to be wearing 40 something pounds of gear on them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You got to know that it's coming. But but you make a really important point here. And that is that with respect to fighters or military or whoever it is, the fact that they can do something has no correlation to what they can teach you and in what context they teach you. They can be a 10 time world champion. It, it makes no difference. Uh, you know, I'm I'm competing in, in jiu-jitsu and I used to compete in MMA, but that doesn't make me no more or a better instructor. There, there is no correlation there. I've had exposures, but that doesn't mean I'm good at the instruction side. And it's far more important to find somebody that can help you develop you as opposed to, Hey, look at me. I can dance around and do all these cool things. The point of having a good instructor is to develop you, not the instructor, even though that does happen. So that, that's a really big thing. It's cool to be around somebody who's as a champion, oh, that's great, that's nice. But I want to find an instructor who can help develop me with what I have. And not everybody is created equal, not everybody has the same skills. Some people are taller or shorter, meaning their limbs are longer or shorter. Some people are, are heavier, thicker, some people are thinner, some people are fast, some people are slow, some people are flexible, some people are inflexible. So it's not a one-size-fits-all program. It has to adjust for all the differences that we have. And, and in particular, you know, in law enforcement, I, I run into this problem a lot. Everybody thinks they're an alpha. And I can tell you something, not everybody is an alpha. So this idea that, that you know, yeah, I'm this, I'm that, you're not, you're not. So you have to adjust for the mindset. Or right? Do they have a, a default aggressive mindset? Do they have a default passive mindset? Can they toggle between based on their level of confidence in a situation? And you, you, as an instructor, you have to be able to adapt. That's why I'm so against these one size fits all programs. That's not how things
0: work. You brought up a big, huge word that some people don't realize about the LEO world. Not everybody that puts the belt on, that puts the gun in the holster, puts the vest on in the morning and goes out in the street, has 100% confidence in their abilities. But the more training you get, the more sweat you do, the more knowledge you obtain, the better your confidence comes. And it all comes back to like, you know, man, I hate to say it. A lot of it comes back to liability. Confidence killer is liability. They don't want to go and learn. Sometimes people don't like, I I, I know you've heard this and I know other people have heard it. When it comes to shooting, I never want to get expert because if I go to court, they're going to be like, hey, how come you need to shoot him to like, no, I don't want to train BJJ because if, what if I go to court, they're going to say, well, you're a killer. No, the more training you get, the more confidence you're going to get and the less the liability you're going to feel.
1: It's not just confidence, it's competence. So the more that you train, the more that you have exposure, yes, you have confidence, but you also have competence in that subject matter. And if you can do that same thing in different realms with different people under different circumstances and different environments, you know, you're know you paying dividends, not just for you, but everybody that's working around you and the community because you're able to do more to keep the community safe. So everybody wins when you get it in context.
0: When you get that confidence and you're rolling up on a suspect and you feel it, you know it, it's a different context. It's a different feeling. It's like civilians. I know civilians feel this. If you've had training and you'll notice they back off. The guy who's the quote unquote or the guy and girl too, or the alpha, they'll get into someone's face. they will be blah, blah, blah. They'll do this. They'll do that. Look how macho I am. Um, cool. The one who has a confidence, you could always tell. And the same thing is like if you're an LEO and you're on the street and you roll up on a suspect and he knows you're confident, they might think twice about, you know, whether or not they're gonna fight or flight.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I think you you don't see the extreme reaction from people that know they can handle it. If things ramp up, you're capable of handling it. So you're not worked up. And this is one of the arguments that I've had uh with friends and and with other Leos and even in in some public sectors. But if you see this spike in use of force going straight to deadly force, one of the things that you can do to offset that is to learn how to fight so that you don't need to immediately go to that. And this is, again, confidence and competence. If I'm uh, confident that I can handle this situation, right, the chance of me escalating or feeling the need to escalate it doesn't happen, especially if I'm competent and I know it. How do I know I'm competent? Because I can do it with different people in different environments. Maybe I can do it in tournaments. Maybe I can do it in in training. Maybe whatever condition it is that I face, but I've done it and I've done it repeatedly. You know, uh, this is again. You know guys saying well everybody can't go do this people get hurt it's a liability so no you take one factor at a time and you isolate it and you add it in and then they get competent at that and you add another factor in, and you put those two factors together and so this i wrote about in the book as well um in relationship to teaching and chunking and and building blocks on top of each other that is fibonacci sequence when i start to add the uh, preceding number to the number in front we talk about how growth happens in nature um, so we, we kind of ignore that. And and that's one way that we can drive down, you know, extreme incidents in the street is by developing these skills, developing this confidence where I'm much slower to get from zero to a hundred, right? Because I know, hey, if it gets there, fine. I, I got the skills to handle it.
0: This book kind of caught me by surprise. It's not just the law and illegal and, you know, come up with like a different type of, you know, the audience and stuff like that. But getting into the different types of concepts, the different types of like the OODA loops in there, you throw that in there. Most of the major stuff in the past, like hundred years, that's within the law enforcement community, but outside of it as well. But also the physiological aspects of getting into that confrontation that is so much different when you're when you're an LEO and you're in this world, your physiological responses may be different because you're everything to you is a it's life and death, everything, everything, every way you look at something, whether or not it's your physical life or your mental life, or <laughs> uh, you could be canceled, you could be incarcerated, your family could, you lose everything, but everything is all in this split second decisions, microseconds. And you have got to have the physiological response to it. And that's one thing about the book. It It touches on his stuff it's a lot more complex than i thought it was going to be i thought this book was just gonna be like i'm like what's tied up to now todd's doing a lot of cool stuff but this is a this is a a damn good guidebook man i mean it's intended
1: to be broad in scope and not get into not get into the weeds too much because i don't want to get into these arguments about what works and what doesn't work so i don't get behind too much any one principle, but just a broad scope of principles that are reoccurring that you're going to see throughout a law enforcement career or teaching law enforcement. Um, You know, I found these principles to apply in a lot of aspects of life, even outside of, of say fighting or outside of protection or the military or law enforcement. But these are things that are present. And if you acknowledge what they are, it helps you kind of understand other aspects, and and like you talk about, when you're operating in a high stress environment, you're going to have a physiological response to stress, so you're going to get that. So what happens is, how do you manage it? You you know those things start to happen. Like I start to feel this thing in my stomach, I start to feel this thing in my skin, I start whatever it is for you individually, then you learn how to manage that thing. And that thing being managed is what allows you to make good decisions. And then we get into aspects like, you know, recognition, prime decision making by client and things like that, that go kind of more into, to,
0: okay, I've been here before, now I can make a quicker decision. And you know, I'm going to change the subject real quick, because I just thought about something, because I said, what's Todd up to now? I, I follow your social media. I see I've see i met you in person in, in a large venue you're not just dealing with the street as in like, you know, your life, your professional and stuff like that, but you're also dealing with humongous crowds and the pucker factor and being in control of the entire security apparatus for like major venues and people and stuff. How do you keep your pucker factor down? I mean, and everybody knows the pucker factor is Like when you go through these physiological responses, sometimes your body doesn't operate the way it really wants to. And sometimes you're, you know, you're, you're, your system kind of shuts down how do you deal with dealing with that is it just experience is it training or or what would your recommendations for someone that has to deal with highly stressed environments be uh
1: i the same thing that i recommend people do is is literally what i do so um in my case, you know, I'm constantly training. So I don't stop because I got to a certain level and then I know everything I need to know. It, it never ends. And so things are evolving. So I keep doing that. So I have a high degree of confidence in what I do in the realms I work in and understanding all the variables that surround those realms. So that helps me stay calm and make the right decision. But, you know, when I come home, I'm going to be behind the power curve, whether jiu jitsu or Muay Thai, uh, shooting, doesn't matter. Those are all perishable skills. So I got to keep doing those things. Uh, I got to keep doing them in the right context, however, I want to. Produce results, um, and then you know I continue to look for new stuff and new ideas and different realms that support what I'm doing. For example, next week I'll I'll be going to do a, a training course with Arcadia Cognarati. So you know those guys are great. I love what they put out. Um, you know they they have a podcast called Left of Greg, uh, which is a great one. Um, so I'm constantly trying to improve. What I understand, how I apply it. So, if I go train with these guys, let's say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll come back and on Thursday, I'll do a couple hours of like a a data dump where I'm pulling everything down that they gave me, figuring out what works in my realms, and then starting to assign those things to specific SOPs or TTPs that we use. So, I want to integrate it immediately, I don't want it to get lost.
0: Talk about that is how you should be doing. It's like when you go to training and stuff like that. And I would say like, if you're setting up these training instructions and you're going to like, and I'm sure everybody does the ARs afterwards and they do like they, you know, give us feedback and stuff like that, but use it. And that's like, if you're going to teach a, a course to LEOs and stuff like that, you're going to use this book, give feedback. I'm sure Todd would love to have feedback from it and say, hey, you know what? I kind of like this, but have you ever looked at this? It's, it's kind of like, you know, the old, I love was like, Bringing up my infantry background, like, you know, he's got to continuously improve your fighting position. So, yeah, brother.
1: You know, I don't know. I don't let me back up just a little bit. I don't know when you say everybody does an AAR. I think everybody in law enforcement that is required to attend a course and then come back to the unit and provide an AAR. Um, An after action review or after action report for the people that don't know what A- AR is the same in the military, you have to do that. But what I found is in the civilian community, that's not normal. Mm. So literally that process forces you to go back and say, what did I just experience? How is it relevant to me? How's it relevant to the environment that I'm operating in? And how can that change what we're doing to make it better? I don't I don't find that in the civilian community. I really don't. And this is one of the things that the military and law enforcement does right. Usually the civilian side is much better at that. But I don't find that in the security side so much, outside of you know paramilitary, obviously. But um, we don't see that a whole lot. And and I think that's one takeaway. And I, I didn't write too much about that. And maybe, maybe I should have. Uh, but, but that is definitely how I'm continuing to grow and develop is it using exactly that protocol.
0: Well, you and I are both, we talked before about being visual. So if you're at these courses and stuff like that, and like you said, you do data dumps when you're done, come home and just write down some stuff. You're going to forget some stuff. You go to any training like that, you're going to forget it. But if you keep getting your muscle and your visualization going, I think it's going to help, man.
1: Yeah, I'm really good at forgetting this stuff. So that part of it, I've got mastered. So now that's where the pen and paper come in and start to jot down those notes in the classes to remind me to go back and look at something. And I don't know about you, but I'm traveling constantly, so I've got downtime on the plane. Maybe I'm in route in a Uber, a cab, or whatever from the airport to the hotel or the venue. I've got downtime. It's going to take thirty minutes or forty-five minutes or an hour. When I get done, like normally for me, and I, again, I don't know how anybody else operates, but I'm taking that time when it's fresh in my mind. When I leave that class with Arcadia Cognorati on Wednesday night, and I'm moving back home, I'm going to have all of that free time to write this down, to jot it down. Because once I get home and I'm, I'm loaded with all kinds of tasks that need to get done, that's going to the back burner, and it may not surface again. So I think that's, that's the time when it's fresh.
0: I love it, brother. Everybody, you can pick up the book underpinning at onTourProtection.com. They have iBooks and they have uh, Kindle versions out as well. Paperback version, you can buy at ontourprotection Make sure you're following Todd. Follow Damian. You're always doing cool shit, brother. I love it, man. <laughs> Hopefully, we get you out here. I'm coming out, man. I've I have passport. Will travel. I don't Let's do need it. Passport. I'm, I've Jeep. Will travel, brother. <laughs>